nothing, 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 nothing you could do. Straight up, there's nothing you know the boy says. Uh, Natalie Zamudio with TheStraightPunch.com here with Chad Savage George. We're at your gym, CMMA Fitness in uh, Gardena. So uh, first, thank you for taking the time to sit down with me. I really appreciate it, man. My pleasure. Um, I want to jump right in. You announced some big news this week. You're returning to MMA, to the professional MMA cage, and you're going to be competing at Lights Out Extreme Fighting, which is actually kind of interesting. It's, a, I guess, a merger between CXF and NFL linebacker Sean Merriman came together, and they're, they're forming Lights Out XF. Um, Lights out extreme fighting, I should say. What um, what made you decide to, to come back to to the cage to get back into the cage? Well, I think it's been a it's a couple of things. Um, I'm not really that far removed. I fought last year, yeah, yeah. so it's not like it's been that long. Uh, I'm getting older. Uh, I have a lot of athletes that need my attention now more than ever. Sure. So I figured if I am going to do it, now's the time to do it. Uh, CXF when it was called CXF. Uh, I've had tons of my athletes, fighters on their shows. We've had champions in numerous weight classes. I've been friends with the promoters of the organization for a very long time. And as I started really putting things together and wanting to do a, a fight again, yeah. and they made this transition into um, LXF, um, I, I think it just made sense. I, you know, they're they're a great. They're probably the best local promotion in Southern right. California, maybe even in California. And they've always put on great events, and now they're going to be on Fox Sports West, and this probably will be my last fight. And I think what better way to end it all is in the exact same place where I started it in Los Angeles. Yeah, so th actually that's what I wanted to, to confirm because I saw on your social media post, it seemed like you were saying it was the final time in the, in the cage, so that, that is going to be most likely your last your last run? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, it's been 15 years that I've been at this, so it's been yeah. a very long time. I just, I feel like it's time for the next chapter. Uh, over the years, I've really spent a lot of time trying to figure out who I am, not only as a person, but as a fighter, why yeah. I fight, what makes me fight, and I think I've figured it out now. I've gotten that out of my system. I've fought on the biggest stages in the world. I've had upsets, I've had highs, I've had lows, and I'm ready to go out there and realistically put 15 years of my life into 15 last minutes in the cage. Well put. Um, are you going to be competing at 135 again? That's the plan. That's the plan. That's the plan. Okay. Do you know your opponent or is it a little bit too early? It's still early. Okay. We have a couple names that we've uh, just said yes to, so okay. we're just waiting on their side to acknowledge it and see what they come back with. Okay. For me, it's really just about getting in there and having fun with no pressure on my shoulders. Nice. Sounds good. Um, so you've obviously competed as a professional fighter for a long time. You've cornered a lot of young fighters. When you think about both roles, which one gives you the most nerves? Like being in the corner for someone you've worked really closely with or being in there yourself with everything on the line? Hands down, it's coaching my, my guys. Wow, because okay. it's, 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 it's an interesting situation yeah. because I spend so much time with them day in, day out. We work on their techniques, we work on their mind, we work on all the pieces that need to get them ready to get in there. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when they are in there, it's just them. All I can do is help guide them at that point, but I'm hands off and I can't do anything more than just give them my words. Yeah, that must be frustrating, right? Because you can, you know what they're capable of, right? Yeah. And then when either they put it all together or they can't quite put it all together and there's there's nothing you can really do except you know use your voice, right? Yeah. It's tough. So, I mean, that, that's also why I think that it's time for me to come back and, and pull, pull the reins of just being a coach for a while. Uh, I'm still going to compete in Jiu-Jitsu uh, right, as much as I can. Yeah. You know, that'll probably be till the day I die. Yeah. But as far as fighting MMA, 
I, I think it's their time. You know, I've been in the spotlight, and now it's time for me to let them have their shine. Okay. So something we kind of talked about a little bit before we, we, we jumped on here and started recording, but I was curious, since you have so many different things going, you have your, your two gyms, you're going to be fighting again professionally, you're training fighters, you have your clothing line. Do you feel like at the end of the week you're running on fumes, or do you... Have you calibrated the output? Have you been able to figure out how to how to get get to the end of the week and still have energy? I'm a madman. Okay. I I, uh, I actually somehow seem clearer in the chaos. Interesting. Uh, I'm an extreme planner with everything yeah. that I do, so I don't get involved in any things. But uh, I look at things in the macro. So when I look at the big picture of everything, I know there's so many moving elements that have to be done. And so for me, paying attention to the micro, the, the, the small things that really don't have any um, direct need for my attention, I can delegate those. Yeah, and so the, uh, I've, I've become a, almost a perfectionist with delegation. I'm trying, okay. I'm trying not to hold on to things as much anymore. Yeah. I'm trying to hand them off so I can focus on the bigger picture. That way, so everything that I do is about growing and growth. I, I, I can't stay complacent. So yeah. all the projects that I have going on, I have amazing people working on, on the back end or even on the on the front end of it as well. So it's not just me alone. It comes to a complete culture and community. How hard was that though I, to get to that point? Or, or, or was it easy to get to the point where you could delegate important tasks? I just imagine with all that you have going on. It's horribly hard. <laughs> yeah. Because I know that all of those tasks that I'm handing off, nobody will do it better than me. So that's the right. hardest thing about it. Yeah. So when when you realize that nobody's going to do it better than you, so what you have to do is find people that can see it with their own vision, like similar to the way you would be doing it on your own, and also have them. They have to be invested, yeah, almost invested. To that same to that same level as you are, because if they're doing it for you, it's never going to work. So you have to figure out a way to coach them into understanding how it's their vision that we're going to work together on this on. Is it satisfying when you see someone get to a point where they're closer to your your style of getting things done than they were when you first started working with them? No, not at all because I, I typically try to work with people that I see things in. Okay. So for me, it's it, I, I expect it. The, the worst part is the letdowns. When yeah. you see these people that have all the abilities to do something and then they're the ones that self-sabotage and make yeah. things fall apart. That's interesting. Um, something that I've learned to do as I get older, and uh, especially in the last year, is to like listen to that inner voice inside mm -hmm. that tells me, this is wrong, this is the dumb mm -hmm. idea, that I, I realize now I ignored a lot. Um, do you, do you, are you able to hear that, uh, that voice? Do you ignore it? Do you embrace it? Like I know we all have it, and so I'm just curious where people are. I were, I'm a partner with that voice. Okay. Now. <laughs> yeah. It's really, really what it is, right? Yeah. So when you hear that voice, instead of thinking, okay, why is it thinking that? The yeah. answer is probably it's thinking that for a reason. Yeah. So you need to really look at the surrounding picture around it, not just the element of what the wording is that's going on in your head. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Um, all right. Just want to go back a few years and talk about some other stuff mm -hmm. that. You know, important moments in your career. So, Occupation Fighter, obviously a very important, significant documentary um, in in your life as a professional fighter. There's one moment that that I always think about um, because it just left an impression. So, the scene where you're sparring and you break your fingers. Mm -hmm. How painful was that, first of all? And do you think that you would have kept going if the cameras weren't rolling? You know, it's. I think the finger breaking 
toes breaking is something that happens quite often. Okay, in, so it was in, not like an extraordinary... It yeah. It sucked, but it's probably whether the cameras were there or not, I think I still would have taped it and kept going. Because gotcha. it was immediate. At least, uh, I don't think there was any editing in that in that particular moment. Right. You like immediately were like, oh, I broke my fingers, tape it up, keep going. And it's just, you know... You know, I think the mindset is, is everything when it comes to not only fighting, but life, right? Yeah. It shouldn't matter if there's a camera on, people around, yeah. uh, whoever is you're trying to impress, it doesn't, you know, it shouldn't matter. The only thing that really matters is if your mindset is focused on your goal, you're going to do what it takes to get there. So if you have a little thing like, uh, I understand it doesn't sound little about breaking yeah. a finger, but if you could do something to work around it in that moment, mm -hmm. then you have to find a way to do yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, the more I, I've been an MMA fan for about a decade now, but the more I get into just the journey of fighters, I realize how extraordinary like fighters are and how different they are from like the average person. And like, I don't know how many regular, I say regular, I don't say regular disparagingly, but how many people would, would push through like that, so. See, but I, I disagree that we're, okay. we're so different. Okay, yeah. I think the only thing is that we're forced to face things because it's in front of us. Yeah. That's the only, that's all it is, think about it. Like, when, when, when we fight, there's another person standing in front of us, but you're forced to face all those inner thoughts and everything that you got going on in your life. It's gonna come, whether you like it or not, when that bell goes ding. Yeah. So that's the only difference between a fighter and everybody else is that we're being faced to force ourselves directly in confrontation with everything going on in our head where other people can uh, put on a different outfit or they can buy a different car they can't afford. Yeah. Or, you know, so that's, there, there's ways of masking a facade but when you're fighting, it's absolutely real and genuine. Yeah, that case, you can't get out, right? Nope. I mean, I mean, I suppose if you tried, you could. That's the only difference. <laughs> yeah. All right. Right on. Um, so, I know you were WEC fighter. Your last fight, I think, was against Antonio Benuelos. Didn't go your way, but shortly after that, the UFC bought out WEC, and that part of your journey came to a halt, I guess. How did you? What was your mindset like when that happened? When the, your your contract was was canceled and you didn't get carried over to the UFC? Well, that was actually a very odd situation because my contract actually carried over. Oh, it did. Okay. So I was technically a UFC fighter on the roster. No way. So I. It's funny because yeah. if you go to the UFC's roster, my name's still there. Wow. And which is which is uh, funny because if I would have beaten Antonio Benuelos, which yeah. a lot of people thought I did. Yeah. I would have fought Miguel Torres in the main event of the first ever Bantamweight wow. fights in the U in UFC history. And when those fights happened, I was supposed to be on call and on roster to be on the on the next card, and then okay. it became on the next card, and then it became on the next card. Oh, so I kept getting okay. uh, dragged out, and then it became longer and longer and so longer. So they didn't cut it right away. They were kind no, of no, actually, my, my that, that, yeah. So my contract ended up expiring. Oh no! Okay, gotcha. So, I mean, what do you do at that point? Do you just turn to your right and say, okay, what's the next path? Or were you discouraged? I, I was I was discouraged. It was it was heartbreaking. But at the same time, I wasn't. I knew I wasn't done. I was still yeah. young. Yeah. I was in my late 20s. Yeah, you were like 28 or something. I, I was young. Yeah. So, uh, after that, I fought, I fought a couple more times. And then I got an opportunity to go to New Zealand and fight... Um, uh, Kai Car France, yeah. who's now one of the up and coming stars, so it's really cool. I fought him, and it was yeah. USA versus New Zealand, so that was really cool. So that was another just moment that has been kind of through my journey and my path. Yeah. That if you just keep going, things are gonna happen. Good things are gonna happen. Um, I would have never had that experience if I would have stayed with with that organization. Yeah. All right. So uh, you know, a little bit forward, you're at Bellator. You fight Mark Borges. 
and that like to me is one of like the best submission victories in MMA like the you know how you got that long flu choke which at the time I feel like people hadn't really seen right in yeah. the cage the he's out no he isn't yes he is that whole interaction um, it really sticks with me but but also I remember reading after that you did an interview with Kevin Ioli Yahoo Sports right and he really praised you and that was sort of the, the thesis of his article that you were like a model MMA fighter, someone who didn't go, you know, already finished the job and didn't feel it necessary to inflict more damage on someone that was incapacitated. Did how did that feel to you when you when you when that article came out and and he, he praised you for being a model in this world that I think especially since these last couple of weeks, like the MMA community could use more, you know, inspirational, positive, martial, true martial artist people. I I just curious how you felt at the time when that came out. I think it was really cool. Um, when I fought Mark Borges, so many different things happened after that fight. I, I mean, the commentary and the comments and the love and yeah. the global spread that fight did. I mean, I don't think anybody could have expected that. No. But I will say that that fight is kind of when the turning point happened in my head for my career. Okay. It was a big point in my mind where I realized that the old me was gone that was so afraid of fighting because of all the other demons that I had in my head that when I didn't go in and, and hit him more, that was a conscious decision of saying the fight's over with. Like, yeah. I don't have to do anything more. And it was in that moment where I knew that my shift had happened and things were going to start changing the way I approached fighting and probably uh, in my life, and it did, and everything kind of uh, transpired after that. You know, full disclosure, I met you about four or five years ago at actually PKG, which is a gym in Westwood. You actually signed me up. Uh, you signed my, my uh, filled out my membership application and everything. Um, and I remember like three months or so after that, you opened up your own gym. Um, so how hard was it for you to make that decision, to make that leap from being, you know, employee to employer? And how long were well, you thinking that? I, I've actually been an entrepreneur my whole life. That's right. You had your own business in college, So right? even yeah. before then, though, I was looking back on it. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur as far back as I can. I was selling baseball cars out of my parents' garage okay. when I was six so years old. So you always had the hustle. Right? And I mean, I even, this is going to sound funny, but I used to climb the trees at my old school mm -hmm. for mistletoe during the holiday at Christmas time. Wow. And I would go door to door <laughs> selling it. Okay. And there was even one occasion where I remember falling out of a tree and cracking my head open. Wow. Um, trying to get this mistletoe to make a dollar a piece that I was selling. <laughs> so I mean, I've been I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. Yeah. So making the transition was it was easy in the sense of me knowing that I'm gonna have to work for it. But going from working for somebody else in the in respects to a gym because I, I didn't know anything about the actual back end of the gym business. Okay. I, I knew what it takes to run a gym. I knew what it takes to. Uh, build fighters. I knew what it takes to get to that next level, but not until you get into the business do you actually understand what it takes to run anything. And I think that's with any industry, though. Yeah, I'd say so. So the best experience you can ever get is hands-on. So I mean, it's been a learning curve since the day we opened, and every day it's something new. But the way my mind is wired is I'm so hungry for what comes next. It drives me to be in the moment, just keep building with whatever we have. What were some of like the the, the early pitfalls that you remember? It made you shake your head like, oh man, how did I not see this one? Or how did I oh, let financials. this one? Financials. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's a big one. You yeah. know, when you have to uh, completely drain your life savings. Yeah. Uh, and actually, what people don't realize is that 
I've had to do that on several occasions. When I when I left one studio, when I was in the art world, yeah. and then I went into fighting, I moved into my car. I was homeless when I decided to make the transition. I came from a, a, a flourishing career, moved into my car to pursue it. So, I mean, if you're willing to do what it takes, it's going to work. But for me, when I opened uh, uh, CMMA, California Mixed Martial Arts, I put everything into it, and I was like, okay, I'm all in. Cut yeah. the safety net, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to survive. So you mentioned the previous line of work that you had your own business, mm -hmm. aside from the childhood ones, the mistletoe, which is awesome. Um, you had your own like graphic design or graphic. You're making like videos and stuff uh, in college. Is yeah, that we had a production studio. A production so studio. I, I had oh, a yeah, partner at the time. Okay. So we, uh, I, I've been doing art my whole life, whole life, and I was doing freelance. And then when I went to art and film school, I met a, I met a guy that had a very similar approach to everything that I did. Yeah. And so we started uh, working on projects together. We opened a small studio. Then we opened a bigger studio, and then we opened a full production studio, and we started hiring uh, other students, we started hiring uh, instructors, okay. and we started getting big clients, like Nike was one of our clients, National Academy of Sports Medicine. And like, were you ever thinking, I think you were taking jujitsu classes at that point, or you started, but were you ever thinking while you were in a successful business, like, I don't want to do this forever, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a... 180 and do something different? Not a chance. <laughs> okay. My, my, my dream when I was a kid was to yeah. be an, an animator for, right. uh, for a DreamWorks. Yeah. I mean, that was something that I'd wanted to do forever. Yeah. And I wanted to get in shape because I knew that I was getting out of shape and I was doing a lot of unhealthy things that college kids do. Yeah, college should try. Yeah. <laughs> and um, a buddy I worked on a project with told me about this jiu-jitsu class. And I said, no, I want to find wrestling because I've wrestled my whole life. Wrestled, and he goes, well, yeah. it's like wrestling. Give it a try. I said, okay. This is before MMA really had blown up and anybody really paid attention yeah. to what jiu-jitsu was. And so I went to the class and, I, and I, I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. I get to choke people and I get to wrestle. Yeah. And that's kind of where everything started. And that was 15 years ago, 16, 15 and a half years so ago. So do you still – I know you design like – things here graphic design for your for your business but do you still draw do you still do have that outlet artistic artistic outlet at home I, I haven't drawn in a long time there's okay. projects that I want to do yeah. I just for me what it takes to get into those projects time wise yeah doesn't make sense with everything else that I have going okay. on because again with everything I do I'm all in yeah so if I start drawing it's not going to be just for me to get a release it's because I believe it's going to add to one of the pieces that we're doing gotcha and you've been doing it your whole life but do you ever find like like with anything if you if you step away from it from too, for too long and then you go back to it and you're a little rusty do you find that with with well, I mean it's been a while but did you ever find that oh I feel like are I you, suck are you yeah does it stress you out to oh think for like, sure oh, that's why I don't now? even think about it yeah okay you know there's projects that I want to do but yeah. every time I picked up a pen just to doodle I'm like ugh. No, that's why. That's why you haven't done it in so long. Yeah. Is there anything else? Any other hobbies that you have outside of, you know, the MMA combat sports world? Uh, business. Not that that's a hobby. Business of is a huge hobby. Yeah. Right? Isn't that weird? <laughs> like, to me, I, I I approach everything business mind. Okay. Everything, and it's it's interesting to me. Yeah. I love looking at other people's businesses. Yeah. I, it, I bet. It, it intrigues me. I go to everywhere and I start trying to dissect what they're doing even if I don't know their industry yeah I'm gonna try to I try to dissect what they're doing to make them successful or what's making them not successful yeah that's fascinating for sure like just how did you get where you are and what what were that's the it. pitfalls and how did yeah that's it I love picking people's brains yeah I mean I have I have a podcast now that I I interview a lot of different people to get into their mindset because that's what intrigues me yeah like I'm so intrigued by people's mind and what got them to where they are whether it's a positive mindset even the negative mindset yeah because 
that that's a it's a it's a habit that you got in. Either one takes hard work. I yeah, mean, you got to continually reinforce in yep. either direction. Um, what kind of what, what, were there any podcasts that influenced you or motivated you to do your own, or did you just know I want to be able to talk to people and this is the best way to do it? Well, there's several that I listen to all the time, okay. and there's also different ones that got me going. Sure. You know, there's podcasts, there's tons of podcasts where you can get great information. Yeah. But as I started getting into my my own um, show, we were going to put out, we had these concepts of putting out, you know, interviews, interviews, interviews. Yeah. And then when I realized what drew me to a specific uh, show, which is the Gary V um, experience. Okay. Gary Vandercheck, amazing we'll entrepreneur. Have to check it out. He, he, and the thing with him though, what makes his special is that what draws me to it is he has daily content. Mm. It's not just one show and you have to wait. Well, I mean, think about it. When we watch TV shows, we're so upset we have to wait for I the know. next one. Gary has video people around him. He has different people. So they keep chopping up conversations. He always has people filming. And so he keeps putting out content for people like me that are so obsessed with material that they just tune in and tune in and tune in. And I realize that I'm having these conversations on a daily basis. Yeah. Like what we're having now with my athletes, with other different um, uh, uh, interviews, whatever it is. And that's stuff that needs to be recorded and shared. Because if, if I'm into it the way that I am, it's because they're gonna use this material for something. Yeah. So I need to be able to take that same content and deliver it for as many people to be able to use it as possible. That's interesting. I noticed that some of your episodes are like, it, you're just on the go and you have a notion to share something inspirational with someone, with you know your listeners, and you just start hitting record. And so I actually thought that was pretty cool. I didn't know that that's where the inspiration came from, but it makes sense because especially if you're busy um, and you got something good to say, like just hit record. We have the technology to do it now. Listen, if, if, if we can find ways to reprogram the way our habit, habitual thinking is working, then it's gonna have to be by feeding it with habitual information. Yeah. So if you only get one bit of information a week and you have six days outside of that to fill it with other garbage, Yeah then what are you gonna actually be filled um, on your habit side? Yeah. So if I can keep producing content for at least one person that'll listen, fantastic. But yeah. I believe it I believe it reaches out to much more than that. I think so, man, for sure. Um, interesting, that leads into one of my other questions, which is how important is it for is it that, you know, for you that your journey serve as inspiration for others? I mean you have so much experience in many different avenues and you have a platform where you can share it. How how satisfying it? How's important? How important is it for you to be able to share? It's everything. To me. Yeah. It's absolutely everything to me because the thing for me is growing up my whole life was was lack of self confidence. Yeah. Right. Failing to learn how to believe in myself and failing to learn that I had all these uh, abilities that I could perform or I was capable of. Mm -hmm. And now that I understand that all that is garbage and it was self inflicted. Yeah. I realize that there's so many people whether it's in a youth side or adult side that are suffering the same thing. But if I can overcome it, and I know what I had to do to overcome it, anybody can. Yeah. So if I can give the tools, if I have a platform where people are gonna listen, if I have a stage where people can take this advice and be able to make something successful happen for them, that's absolutely everything we do. That's awesome. And it gives me more of a reason to do it more and more and yeah, more. Yeah, right, yeah. And yeah, and, and and you're able to at least here in your, in your gym, what I can see with the kids' classes and then the the fighters that you're training and nurturing, like you're able to make an impact in a lot of different ways to a lot of different people. 
that's got to be that's got to be um, helpful to, to keep grinding every day. You know, it, it's it's what wakes me up in the morning. Yeah, and it's what allows me to close my eyes at night. That's awesome. Um, so so speaking of motivating others, you recently talked to to Chapman University to some students there. Was it the football team? Is that what it so, was? Yeah, I've actually done a couple different keynotes okay. with their football team. Nice, mm-hmm. awesome. Um, you said something that actually really made an impression with me. You said leadership starts essentially like with the man in the mirror, right? Like with mm-hmm. yourself. Um, and that really struck a chord with me. So uh, I am curious because especially you're so busy, like how many times a day are you resetting yourself just to make sure you stay on track? I, I, you know what? I really don't reset. Okay. I'm, I'm on. You're just... I'm on. And sometimes being on leads me in directions I got to like go back and refocus yeah. a little bit as far as like, okay, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. But as far as like taking a step back, I can't do it. Can't do it. I can't do it. I am on. I'm on fire. And it's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of people relying on, on you to, to keep your engine going, That's right? That's why I can't. I realize that yeah. I'm at a stage now that not only would it be selfish of me to even try to slow down, yeah. it would be a disjustice for everybody that is trying to achieve anything because of the things that I said, mm-hmm. I would only become a hypocrite and I refuse to do that. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure, right? Like no, you, not, not at all. Not, okay, good. No, <laughs> I, I, I've removed the pressure for myself. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing okay. that there's no pressure on me at all because this is something that I'm doing that fulfills yeah, me. Fills you up, yeah. So pressure comes from outside influences or, or what you think other people are gonna do, say, or 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 reciprocate on. But those are that's all hypothetical. You're making that up in your head. Yeah. So when there's weight on you, it's because you're you're assuming something that hasn't happened yet. I love it. I'm getting inspired just <laughs> just sitting right here. Um, okay, you said something else in another podcast recently. I hadn't heard anyone phrase it this way, but you you called. Uh, you referred to you know sort of taking charge of your own mind as being a mental champion. What is what does that mean to break it down a little bit more? To, to be a mental champion, like a big thing that I talk about is is actually like live live your life as a champion, mm-hmm. because you need to first figure out what does a champion mean to you, and then you could reverse engineer. It. Yeah. Okay. And that's really what it is. Look in the mirror and figure out what does that person need to do to become a champion, and what are you doing in your life that's prohibiting it, because. You could lie to everybody else. Yeah. When you close your eyes and you lay in bed at night, there's one person you can never lie to. Yeah, you always know. Yep. You get that feeling in your uh, in your chest, you know, that heavy heavy feeling, you know what's up. That's it. So if you if you really become true to that person, you're doing all those things that make that that individual to become a champion, then that's what living life as a champion is. I like it. Um, so just curious, uh, uh, you know, we all sort of, well, not we don't all sort of, but you know, we like to think that maybe we have a sense of where our life's gonna go, you know. And and I'm I wondered with all of the success you have now, and it's still growing, everything's still blossoming. There's still tons of opportunities. And you don't know exactly where life's gonna take you, but if you think back, let's say ten years ago, could you were you whatever you envisioned for your life? Does it line up with where you are now? Does it far exceed it? Well, ten years ago, I mean, my my goal was to be champion of the world yeah so as I've grown and as the years have gone on my perception of that has changed okay interesting I still believe I'm gonna be champion of the world but maybe it's not gonna be me specifically hmm. I've won titles along the way but maybe it's gonna be my guys maybe it's gonna be somebody that I don't even know right now that is influenced by something that I'm doing 
that becomes a world champion and they dedicate it to the stuff that I've done? I don't know. Yeah. And that's what's amazing about life now for me for you, is yeah. that I don't know what comes next. What I know is that I'm going to win today. Awesome. I think that's a great place to stop, man. I appreciate it. This, is a, this has been a real pleasure. I learned a lot just talking to you and cool. uh, I appreciate you sitting down with me. Nothing, 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 nothing you could do Straight up There's nothing you know the boy says There's nothing I don't even know why you wanna play with it